the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Dear faith, let us not love in word, neither with the tongue, but in deed and in truth. In today's epistle, a beloved disciple exhorts us to love which is true, to love of God which is true, to love of neighbor which is true. The world, the world that glorifies sin, promotes fake love, a selfish love that uses another as a tool to achieve one's own selfish desires that reduces friendship to an unstable relationship where our so-called friend is treated well only in so far as that person pleases us or does what pleases us. In contrast, a Catholic can have no true love that is not rooted in charity. By charity, we love God first for his own sake, then ourselves as children of God, and then our neighbor as ourselves. In other words, as a fellow child of God. While you can imagine perhaps a pagan having a purely natural love for his neighbor, how could a Catholic, if he truly loves his neighbor, not wish eternal happiness for him as the root and foundation of his love? And if we truly love God, how can we not do everything in our power to glorify him and to bring others love him. St. John tells us to love in deed and in truth, as opposed to merely by lip service. We all know how easy it is to say, I love you. So easy that you probably know someone who said so at least once to a complete stranger at the end of a phone conversation. But true love must be proven. If faith without works is dead, then love that doesn't lead to good works is fake. Love must be proven. Like a knight must prove his love for his lady by heroic and chivalrous deeds. St. Francis de Sales tells us what it is to love God truly. He says, if we desire good for ourselves, we have what is called self-love. If we desire good for another, we have the love of friendship. To love God and our neighbor, then, with the love of charity, which is the love of friendship, is to desire good to God for himself and to our neighbor in God and for the love of God. If we truly love God, we shall try to bring honor and glory to him through ourselves, surrendering our whole being to him and doing all our actions for his glory, not content with that, we shall also strive with all our might to make our neighbor serve and love God, so that by all and all things, God may be honored. To love our neighbor in God is to rejoice in the good which our neighbor possesses, provided indeed that he makes use of it for the divine glory, to render him in his need all the assistance that lies within our power, be zealous for the welfare of the soul and to work for it as we do for our own, because God wills and desires the salvation of all men. That is to have true and unfading charity, 
to what God sincerely and steadfastly for his own sake and our neighbor for the love of God. End of quote. So we see perfectly that we can and should love all creatures, our fellow men, family, and friends with the genuine love of charity. Love of creatures, in this sense, is totally compatible with true love of God. The problem is if we allow ourselves to love the creature more than God, which in this case, at one point or another, our so-called love will be proved to be, in fact, fake love. This is what we see in the Gospel today. The master of the house prepares a great supper, and notice goes out first to those who were originally invited to this great feast. It is not hard to see this parable as a figure of the Eternal Father who is preparing a great feast in heaven, a feast already anticipated here in the church below in the Holy Eucharist, the sacrament which is, remember, the sacrament of ecclesial unity and charity. The originally invited represent, first of all, the Jews, God's chosen people, who were the first to be offered salvation. But so many turned down the invitation to the symphony of excuses. The very people, the only people, that worshipped the one true God turned down the invitation, because they contented themselves to praise God only with their lips, but their hearts were far from Him. Their hearts proved to be much too close to lambs, or to animals, or to another human person. They contented themselves being the chosen people, God's inheritance, to whom a certain spiritual birthright belonged, even under the New Testament. But they rejected the very birthright they prized so proudly. However, we can all very well see ourselves in these poor souls too. We have inherited a certain right through Christ and baptism to eternal life. But do we really love God enough? Do we really love ourselves enough? Do we really love our neighbor enough to do what it takes to obtain it? In particular, what do we love more? The Mass, the sacraments, or our other activities? The point here is not to shame fun activities, good hobbies, or any occupation of this world, provided that it is in no way sinful. We all need fun activities, we all need good hobbies, we all need a good time, we all need a stable occupation. A good Catholic uses well in particular the recreational time and activities to do just what recreation means, to recreate oneself in order to be even better disposed to carry out the duties of one's state of life. But any activity, hobby, or occupation has taken up too much space in our heart if it becomes more important than the Mass and the liturgy. First, certainly, if we fail to get to Sunday Mass because of poor planning. Whereas, for example, we plan very carefully all the other details of a weekend road trip. If you're traveling or on vacation on the weekend, you must plan where you will assist at Sunday Mass. Missing Sunday Mass without a serious good reason is a serious sin. 
And I just permit myself to add in passing that although we never wish this situation upon you, not being able to make it to a Latin Mass is not a good reason to fail to go to Mass at all on Sunday. But even if you're faithful to Sundays and to Holy Days of Obligation, do you still let perhaps your worldly activities take precedence over a big feast day? Wouldn't it be much better to plan other stuff around a first-class feast rather than to attend Mass on first-class feasts really only because we don't have anything else going on. Obviously, if it's not a holy day of obligation, it's not a question of sin. But still, reflecting on today's Gospel, we should at least ask ourselves the question, what is really more important in my life? I think probably faithful, who go to daily Mass, or at least whenever they can, would tell you how much benefit and nourishment they draw even for the accomplishment of their worldly activities by going to Mass. Or how many times have we, even priests, failed to offer any extra prayer time to our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament? Again, this is not to deny or underestimate the importance of our career, especially a career that nourishes our family, the duties of our state of life, or even our recreations. But ask yourself the question, What's more important? Not because your preacher said so, but because this is the question that today's gospel asks. Let us close with a special word to our fathers here today as we observe Father's Day. To fathers has been given a tremendous share in the image of the paternal love of God the Father, who loved his only begotten Son so much that their mutual love is the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Ghost. And then, God the Father so loved the world as to send His only begotten Son to die on the cross for our sins. And then Christ strikes us always by His obedience and total unity and great reverence for His Heavenly Father, as well as His great obedience and reverence to His earthly guardian Father, St. Joseph. Fathers, you are invited today to follow the example of St. Joseph more closely. St. Joseph planned his career and his work as a carpenter and all his activities around the care of Jesus. Jesus was his first priority. Whether he had to move around to Egypt or to Nazareth, Jesus was his first priority. And there's no other secret to having and raising a happy family. Fathers, you are exhorted to prove your love to your family by proving your love of God, not only in word or with a tongue, but most importantly, by example. By showing that God, the Church, and the Liturgy are first in your life. Make sure all the members of your family are faithful to their daily rosary, ideally by leading them yourself as the head of the family in this holy activity. Most especially, accept the invitation to the Great Supper of the Holy Eucharist and bring your family to this supper often. If you do so, when you appear before our Lord the Judge to answer for your family, you will be able to say to Christ what the servant said to the master of the house. 
Sir, your order has been carried out, and still there is room for much more. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.